You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 21. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I do have all of my guys here today. I have David Hellman, Brandon Clements, and Chris Halling. All of us are back. All of us are done grieving from the Cowboys' playoff loss. Uh, but I actually want to turn it to Chris to start, because last week, we had almost like a purge moment for Hellman and Clements, where they got to air out their personal feelings on how the Cowboys' season ended. Um, you know, of course, no take is too much here uh, in this one-minute time frame. Of course, we want to keep it PG, family-friendly, as all things are at Blogging the Boys. But, Chris, I'll turn to you first. Like I said, since you weren't here, I want you to get things off your chest. You have a minute to kind of tell us how you feel, how you felt in that moment. Uh, your time starts now. Well, my stomach was turning the entire game as I just watched the defense just suffer. I watched Dak Prescott play typical Dak Prescott playoff football, and I'm sorry, you know, he's great in the regular season, but, you know, per usual, he disappointed in the playoffs. I think it's insane that Mike McCarthy still has a job. He should be out of there. I'm sorry. I was under, you know, the assumption that if he made a deep playoff run, then he should stay if they made at least the NFC championship game. So showed some kind of improvement, but you know, to get blown out in the wild card round when everything was going your team's way up up until that point. It's just inexcusable, especially in an offseason, too, where there's a lot of winners at head coach who are available, in my opinion. And I don't know. I just there's so much that needs to happen in Dallas to change things. And I feel like at this point, if you're just going to run it back with those same players and uh, those same coaches, then I think you got to go even more aggressive this offseason in free agency and in the draft. But, yeah, I know you got me on a timer, but just extreme disappointment. And it's going to be really hard to um, it, it's going to be really hard to get me to believe in this team in the postseason ever again because they had everything going their way and this was their year. I, I think you have the the feelings, and in twenty seconds in, you were really just like hitting all cylinders on that one. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty, but I think everyone feels how you felt. Where I think moving forward, the regular season doesn't matter for a lot of people, a lot of fans who watch the Cowboys. It's like the draft doesn't matter, free agency doesn't matter. You could be the best team. You can go 17-0. You could do all these things in the regular season. But if you're not going to perform well in the postseason, nothing really matters. So I asked the guys last week kind of what their priorities were to kind of try and fix things moving forward. Do you have anything that's at the top of your list? We know McCarthy's coming back. We, we heard your feelings on McCarthy mm -hmm. returning. But outside of McCarthy and maybe Dak, is there anything that you think the Cowboys should address first and foremost to kind of move forward and move ahead to next year? Yeah, I think it would be wise to kind of take a look at that running back position. I know that um, Tony Pollard, you know, he was getting better as the year went on, but I, you know, I, I was pushing for this uh, right of the trade deadline. I'm going to push for it again. I think Derrick Henry makes a lot of sense. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to be a guy who can pound the ball into the end zone. And I don't know, he just seems like that kind of Mike McCarthy style back where he's just going to feed it to him um, near the red zone. He's going to make plays. I think that they got to, you know, get some more depth on that offensive line because – 
it's not even a guarantee that like Tyron Smith is going to come back next year. And um, if he does, and we don't know how many games we'll be able to be healthy for. And I think that they got to still try and solidify that run defense. Cause I mean, I hate to say it, but the Mozzie Smith pick didn't look like, I mean, it's not looking like a great pick up to this point. I think there's a lot of linebackers too, who would be really good fits for the Cowboys. I really like Patrick queen as a free agent. I, I think he could come in and immediately just bolster this defense as a whole. So I think it's going to be really about solidifying the run offense and the run defense. Cause I mean, like the past offense was incredible and and we see every year how this past defense is able to create turnovers and, you know, um, get those interceptions. And and the fact that we're getting Trayvon Diggs back next year is just going to boost that even more. So um, I really think it's about just fixing the trenches, both offensive and defensive side of the ball, because that's going to fix the whole toughness, you know, situation and, and narrative heading forward. Yeah, I, we talked a lot about those things last week. And I think when you look at the NFC teams who are going to be in the conference championship, you look at the Lions, you look at the 49ers, both physical teams and B1, that's sort of kind of like how you get things started. You win in the trenches. We know the Lions put a lot of draft uh, acquis- or acquisitions, a lot of draft assets into building their offensive line, similar to what the Cowboys did in 2014, 2016, trying to get a lot of these good guys in there. So that's one way to fix it if you want to get tougher. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at look at what the Ravens got. I mean, they got Roquan Smith and, uh, and Patrick Queen. I, I think I think Queen Queen I believe it would be a little too expensive for the Cowboys at this point because I, I feel like with the way the contract situation is, I I don't see the I don't foresee the Cowboys doing that. I feel like, and I alluded to it last week. You know, a couple guys, uh, you know, like uh, Willie Gay and uh, Drew Tranquil, and then also uh, Aziz uh, Al Shire. He's that's that's one of my favorite guys. I think I think considering you know what's in the you know what's you know what's in the locker room right now you know which you know we'll get I know we're going to get to a few things here in a minute and uh you know I I have a few thoughts on the linebacker position going forward and I I feel like there are some things that need to be worked on but it's not it's not a the cupboard's not bare at this point I feel like I feel like we just have to make some tweaks and I feel like I feel like in, in you know acquiring players and also maybe a little bit of a minor change with the scheme you know, I feel like those minor changes can make a huge difference going going forward uh, for the 2024 season. Hellman, I wasn't going to ask anybody anything about this, but I figured, what the heck, you know, you're the last person to talk before we get into our main topic here. Um, kind of brushing on some little news and notes from this week. It came out that Dan Quinn is going to be going to his second round of interviews with the Seahawks, the Titans, and then also the Commanders, uh, if you believe that uh, as true. Um, he's going to be potentially out the door, you know, this offseason, it looks a lot more likely. I know that there was a few interviews that went to the second round last year, potentially with Denver. Um, I don't know if he's going to be doing a second interview with L.A., uh, with the Chargers. I don't know if that already happened. Um, But keeping Dan Quinn out of the conference, let alone the division, how important is that, or is that really a concern for you? And then if he does step away, is the guy already on the coaching staff to kind of take his place, of course, seeing who Dan Quinn takes with him if he actually leaves? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, obviously it's never great when you have a coach that leaves your staff and then goes to be a head coach in your same division because obviously there's he, – he knows a lot about the schemes that Dallas is running. He knows a lot about how that building operates and that kind of knowledge. Um, you know, that can be beneficial, you know, just, just in general. There was, a, you know, Richard Sherman on one of his, you know, various podcasts a few years ago was talking about how – when Kyle Shanahan became the 49ers head coach and they went to play the Falcons, who Dan Quinn was still the head coach of how Kyle Shanahan, like he knew how that defense operated. He knew like what their coverage rules were. And he does, he designed a play 
that was like specifically designed to break their coverage rules and they ended up getting like a 60 yard touchdown to their backup tight end. And like, that's just an example of like, that's not necessarily Dan Quinn's a bad coach. It's just, that's, that's what happens when you have that kind of inside knowledge of how other coaches and how their systems operate. So you wouldn't want to see that happen to where you have to face him, you know, two times in a year um, or even like in the conference to where potentially if he has success, wherever he goes, you have to maybe meet each other in the playoffs. But um, you know, I mean, he, he's going to go where he's going to go. And I, I, you know, assuming he does go, I don't know anything, you know, inside information about whether or not he is leaving. Um, but uh, you know, I, I wish him the best and, and he's certainly uh, gave two great years to the Cowboys and also this year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, seriously, though, like wish him the best if he does leave to, to take another head coaching job. Um, he, he's definitely someone who has earned that that second opportunity that can be pretty rare for coaches in this league. And uh, if it gets to that point where they are looking for a replacement, my anticipation is it's probably going to be Joe Witt Jr., the, the current pass game coordinator, probably going to be, if it's not him, probably going to be someone else on this staff just because, you know, they, they, they know they need to make some changes to this defense a little bit, but ultimately we know that this scheme works. We know that this philosophy on defense has worked very well for them the last few years. Um, I, I would be surprised if they decided to just completely scrap it and bring in someone else new. And also with Mike McCarthy going into the last year of his contract without an extension, that also complicates things of just like, how are you going to get someone else to, outside the building to come in if there's – you know, this, this all this turmoil about the contract situation of the head coach. So I, I would imagine that's how they look to, to replace him if they have to get to that point. And I think it shouldn't be lost that the Cowboys have a lot of different defensive free agents that could potentially follow Dan Quinn wherever he goes. And if it is with the commanders, uh, they'll be joining Cowboys legends, uh, Jabril Cox and John Ridgway uh, to pull in Orlando Scandrick, where it's a lot more of a revenge tour um, afterwards. So you never know. It could, it could happen. You have someone like Jonathan Hankins, Stephon Gilmore, um, J. Ron Curse, also who kind of had a revitalized career under Dan Quinn. So he might follow him wherever he goes. So it remains to be seen what happens, but that could also be something that plays a factor into it too. So Getting all the negativity out of the way, we're going to go a little more positive because I think sometimes when we're covering the teams and you guys listen to what we have to say, sometimes we keep our fan hats fan hats in the closet. We don't really want to put, put them on during the year because we want to make sure that we're unbiased with a lot of our takes. But I think it gets lost sometimes that at the end of the day, like we're fans of the game too. We're fans of the team, the players that we follow. And I think that you know the Cowboys, yes, have not been to the NFC Championship now, uh, second longest uh, to the Commanders since 1991. Uh, the Detroit Lions broke that streak for them on Sunday. And while the Cowboys didn't get to that point, they still had a 12-win season. Um, they won the division. I think that's a definition of a good year in the eyes of many people. So what we're going to do is we're going to go all around the four of us. We're going to mention one player that we just enjoyed watching for the 2023 season. Just somebody who every week when we turn on the Cowboys game, we just were tuned in to what they did on the field. And then in the second round, what we're going to do is we're going to name one player that we're actually looking forward to seeing where they go in 2024. And this could be a player that had 600 snaps this season. It could be a player that didn't even touch the field. It could be a coach. It could be whoever. It could be Jerry Jones if you want. Uh, so with that being said, um, Chris, I'll start with you because, again, you weren't here last week, so we'll kind of put the baton in your hands here. Uh, who's one player that you that you just purely enjoyed watching this year? 
Um, I loved watching Deron Bland. I know that that may seem like low-hanging fruit for the answer, but I just think it was such a nice surprise, and I think it's something that a lot of fans didn't expect. I mean, I think a lot of fans expected that, you know, he, he that um he was a good pick for where the Cowboys selected him in the fifth round, and that he showed a lot of promise. You know, he led the team in interceptions last season with five. But the fact that he was able to have five um, touchdowns this year is just insane. It was a record that, that that um I think is gonna stand in the NFL for a long time, and I think that really the only person who could maybe change that is maybe Trayvon Diggs when he comes back, just because his knack of getting to the ball. But um yeah, I I mean I mean honestly, I don't know. Like I understand that uh, the pass defense kind of suffered in the playoffs and in the wild card round, but if we're just judging judging it off the regular season, I still don't see an argument for him not winning Defensive Player of the Year. I know he's not going to. I know it's likely gonna go to either Miles Garrett, T.J. Water, Micah Parsons. But, I mean, he had the best year for a cornerback in the NFL that I think I've seen. I mean, his year was better than Stephon Gilmore's um, um, from a statistical standpoint when he won Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, that was still in a season where there were 20 sack, you know, like players as well on the defensive side of the ball. So they still gave it to the cornerback, even though there were, you know, um, um, some elite pass rushing seasons. So, so yeah, so I just think that Deron Bland – such an incredible season for the Cowboys. He really made that, you know, big jump, especially right after Trayvon Diggs. Um, he went down for the season, and I think that that's something that um, is going to really be interesting to see build and see how he can play with Trayvon Diggs, you know, um, next season when he comes back and is healthy. So Yeah, no, I, I think that Bland is somebody that a lot of people kind of circled entering the year but didn't expect to take this type of jump. And I think we've talked about this too, even going a few weeks ago when we kind of were talking about him and his defensive player of the year candidacy. Um, he was a slot player last year and then moved to the outside, like you said, in an emergency situation. So they were going to have Stefan Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs, and Deron Blaine as their three starting corners. So if Gilmore decides to come back, that's still a deadly trio of corners that the Cowboys can kind of have, regardless if it's Dan Quinn or not. Um, and I do think that, you know, Bland did suffer a little bit once that Seattle game came around Thanksgiving. He was kind of getting cooked a little bit. The commanders were were kind of throwing in his direction. Um, but I think he settled in towards the end of the year. And then, of course, changing up the defensive scheme in the playoffs didn't really help either uh, to mitigate Stephon Gilmore's injury. So I think a lot of things are at play. But seeing him mm. and Diggs come back, I think, would be good. And especially, you know, when you see that his maturity has gotten much better, I think that's also important too. So that's a great first start. B1, who you got? Who's your one player that you enjoyed watching? Well, I, I could have brought up a coach like a Dan Quinn, uh, but uh, and I was just speaking of Dan Quinn, uh, looks like the Titans the Titans job is actually off the table. It looks like uh, Brian Callahan from uh, the 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 Bengals off the offense coordinator from the Bengals has uh, officially taken the job uh, per Adam Schefter on on uh, X. So well, this is one. this is your live breaking news that will come out tomorrow, so everybody will know what will happen. But it's good for the conversation nonetheless. So I appreciate the heads up. Of course, yeah. I heard you say Titans in there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dan Quinn's probably not going to the Titans at this point. Nice. I don't think uh, I think that's off the table. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, in all seriousness, Dan Quinn Dan Quinn had a rough a rough go in the the postseason, but I did like what he what he brought to the table for the majority of the season. But speaking of Dan Quinn, I'm gonna focus on the defensive side, just like uh, just just like Chris did with uh, with Deron Bland. I'm not doing the low hanging fruit like he did with Deron Bland or the Micah Parsons because those are too easy. I'm honestly, I'm going with Marquise Bell. And, you know, the, the reason for me is, you know, I, I've been a big supporter, a big fan of his, 
you know, back when I first started with Logging the Boys, when he came out as an undrafted uh, free agent, he was. It was actually one of my first articles I did for the for the site, and I just, you know, I said that, you know, he was the guy that was most likely on the defensive side of the ball to to become, you know, uh, undrafted uh, on the on defensive side of the ball to become uh, a member of the Cowboys' uh, main roster. And and you know, the year one, yeah, I mean, he was around, but it wasn't really much of a. It was kind of a forgettable rookie season for him, but. With the injuries to Demar Demarvin Overshone, for example, you know that, and obviously with Leighton Vanderash, you know, the linebacker room was really depleted, and uh, Marquise, you know, he slid right into the linebacker role, which, you know, I kind of had a weird feeling that he would he would do. I figured he'd play more, you know, of that that big nickel, like he play. He's you know he, he's a safety by size and by nature. But, you know, he, you know, I figured he'd be up at the line of scrimmage. A lot of teams are doing that nowadays. It's kind of one of the, the it's like a sexy thing in the league right now. And, and in a college game, I, you know, watching the Syracuse Orange, they, you know, they, they ran that similar kind of style with, with an extra safety in the box. So I figured he'd do kind of like the Jamal Adams approach. But, I mean, he did, but he's actually, I mean, he's listed as a linebacker now, which is insane. But, you know, he, you know, for being 205 pounds, he doesn't play like a, uh, you know, a 205-pound safety. He plays like a legit linebacker. I mean, he was a really good player at Florida A&M. And, you know, he – you know, and looking at the PFF grade, he was a 79.9, which is – that's a pretty good number. So that's – for a guy who's not a traditional-sized uh, linebacker, that's pretty good. I mean, he had 94 total tackles. Uh, 74 of them were solo. Uh, four passes defended, two forced fumbles. That famous peanut punch that we saw in one of those games that I remember, uh, the peanut punch very well. And then, you know, for me, he I think he earned his spot on, on the roster at linebacker going forward. I know he's a little bit undersized weight-wise, but I feel like he's the kind of guy you keep on – you just keep him on the outside. I feel like if you beef up the middle, you know, bring in a legit, like, big uh, middle linebacker, whether it's the draft – or like a couple guys I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, some bigger linebackers to, to kind of maybe eat up the middle of that, uh, that that offense and defensive line a little bit. I feel like you keep him on the outside a little bit more, I think he's going to be really dangerous that way. And I feel like if, if they can continue to do that, the size won't be that much of a factor. I do feel like he does knife through the defense pretty well. So he, he was a lot of fun to watch. He's like to me. He was just a he was just a heat seeking missile. Every time I saw him around, like he did not care how you know he didn't care if a three hundred twenty pound lineman was coming at him. He was going to knife through and make a play on the ball, and he did. Marquise has been fun. I feel like the, I feel like he's he's just scratching the surface because you know he was thrown into the linebacker position. I mean he was he was worked into it, but it's not his natural position. So I feel like another year, you know, going forward, I think he's going to take even bigger steps. And I feel like he can be a, a, a I think I feel like he could be a long time starter for the Cowboys at linebacker, regardless of the size. He's just a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens as a uh, in year two for him at linebacker, year three in the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. So he's been he's been the guy that I just I've really enjoyed this year. It's nice to hear because I know he's been getting roasted on social media. I know Brian Baldinger put out something on uh, Twitter with Baldy's breakdowns. And again, he does a great job with everything. And yeah, it, it's it's true. Uh, Marquise Bell was out of position a lot of the times against the Packers in the wild card game. It just looked like that he was a fish out of water. But just like Bland, it really shouldn't be forgotten that injury thrusted him into this position where he never played linebacker before. He was always this hybrid safety linebacker last year as a rookie um, with limited snaps. You kind of saw some potential there, but um, didn't really have the offseason to kind of condition his body to play linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, if, if Quinn does return, does he – 
beef up a little bit more in the offseason? Does he kind of hit the weight room a little bit more to transition to full-time linebacker? And he was one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL, too. So if it's just more of a package deal where he comes on the field to face like some of the best tight ends of the NFL, like Sam Laporta, who saw that coming? I don't know. Um, and it's one of those <laughs> things where you can use him as, as a, a, a matchup defender. Maybe he's not in those run fits like you saw in the playoff game on the goal line, but somebody that they can use to their advantage when it's defending like these bigger body wide receivers and tight ends. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think, I think for him, it's just, it, it's the size thing that kind of makes me a little, you know, that, you know, makes me hesitant, but I feel like, I feel like if he beefs up a little bit and doesn't lose that, you know, that electric skill, he's just an electric player for me. He's just, he just flies around. Like I, I when I watched his tape in college, he just flew around the ball. Like he was just a ball. He was just chasing the ball. Like he's just a talented guy. I do think, I do think if he puts a little extra beef on, hit the weight room a little bit more, get used to the linebacker position, knowing that he's going to be a linebacker next year. I feel like there's enough tweaks there, regardless of Dan Quinn is in the mix as DC for the Cowboys, you know, uh, in 2024, or if it's somebody else. I mean, if it is a guy like Joe Witt or Al Harris, do they really change much? Because they might have already said, you know what, we like Marquise is doing. We're going to keep him where he's at. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I I'm very excited uh, to see the future for Marquise. I feel like he's just scratching the surface. And with them being secondary coaches, they would know him really well. Being that exactly. that they started with that, maybe they they brought him in in undrafted free agency as somebody that they yep. wanted to bring in in the first place. So, uh, Howman, you know, I mentioned Laporta. Unfortunately, he's not the name here. I know you're a big Lions guy, so uh, happy to see that they're in the championship game. Um, but of course, the Cowboys were close. They almost got him in the first round. He was one of the names thrown out there. Uh, but we know Jake Ferguson had a great year, so it doesn't really matter at this point. So, who's your player that you enjoyed watching? Yeah, you know, it, it was fun to see. It was nice to see Jay Ferguson explode the way he did, but then also at the same time, every time I watched a Lions game and Sam Laporta was doing what he did, it did hurt my heart just a little bit. But I, I'm happy with Fergie. He, he's he's a great guy. And he was definitely someone I could have listed here as, as one of the players I really enjoyed watching. Um, I also, before I reveal my player, I do want to say on the topic of linebackers and beefing up, more than anything, before I want to see Marquise Bell beefing up, I want to see Mozzie Smith beefing back up because I don't understand why you draft a nose tackle who played college ball at like 330 and then have him drop down to like he was playing like just under 300 pounds this season and then they're playing him at three tech instead of the position he he was great at in college. So, you know, that that's that's a question for the offseason. That's a question for, for Dan Quinn, you know, him being – the defensive coordinator working so closely as he does with the defensive line. I don't know what that whole thing was about, but I want to see Mozzie Smith get bigger so that he can, you know, hold up those at the point of attack and, and seal up those gaps. So a guy like Marquise Bell doesn't have to be taken on those 320 pound offensive linemen. Um, uh, you know, that said, I, I did also enjoy watching Mar Marquise Bell play. So good, but good pull there for Brandon. But uh, for me, the, the player that I think I, I wanted to say that I really enjoyed was, kind of a surprise when I decided to, to pick him, um, but it was Tony Pollard. Mm. And I really enjoyed, you know, th there was so much about this season for him, like, you know, coming off the injury, you know, playing on the franchise tag for the first time in his career after years of Cowboys fans calling for it, being the lead back. And, like, the first half of the season, it didn't look like he was really up to task. And there was all these, you know, all these thing pieces about – you know, he's, he's actually not that good to be good enough to be the lead back or they miss Ezekiel Elliott or whatever. And, and I just kept coming back to you. Well, 
the guy broke his leg like a few months ago. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty serious injury that he suffered. And the fact that he was even playing, I thought was, was impressive. Um, but over the last half of the season, and especially as, as they got towards the last month, I mean, he really picked things up. Um, you know, over the first nine weeks, he was averaging four yards per carry. He only had eight carries where he went 10 or more yards uh, on that play. And then over the second half of the season, he ended up finishing with uh, 4.6 yards per carry, which 4.6 yards, thats that would have tied if he did that for the full season. That would have tied Isaiah Pacheco and James Cook, who finished tied for eighth in yards per carry on the season. Uh, he also had 14 carries of 10-plus yards. And just in general, when you watched him, he played with more explosiveness. Uh, he played with more physicality, too. Like, there were some really angry runs, especially, you know, in, in those last couple of games. And, and I thought against Green Bay, even though the offense wasn't really doing much in that game, like, when he got the ball, he was he had force behind him. He was playing hard. He was running angry. And it was just – it really – even when Pollard was, you know, in the last couple of years – having the huge explosive runs that were the highlight plays, you never saw that kind of physicality for him. So it was really cool to see kind of how he started out and didn't really live up to expectations. And then he kind of, you know, got back into a groove as he got more comfortable within this, this new run scheme, comfortable behind the offensive line, which had not been playing at full strength for the first few weeks of the season. And also just got his feet back under him after the injury. So, um, you know, I don't know what the future holds for him contract wise with the Cowboys, they're obviously going to have to make a decision and, and he will probably test the open market and see what his value is. But I really did enjoy seeing Tony Pollard, even if it was just for one year, getting to see Tony Pollard be the lead back, you know, have the season that he did where he really just like finished, you know, playing at the level that, that we all kind of thought that he was able to. It's, it's sad we didn't get to see it over a full season. Um, but he also, you know, to his credit, he did finish with over a thousand yards rushing and, and that's still you know even with an extra game on the regular season now that's still a pretty good benchmark for running back so um i enjoyed watching him and uh if this is the last season we ever get of tony pollard in a cowboys uniform then i'll, I'll always remember how he played over that last half of the season and, and remember him fondly yeah i think vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I think just like all that we've been talking about, the expectation was high for, for a lot of these guys, um, not so much of the first two. But, you know, Pollard, again, dealing with adversity, coming back from injury, I think that the expectations had to be a little bit more just to what 
um, he was coming back from. I mean, the broken ankle and all this stuff. I mean, that that's a tough injury to come back from. Worked his hardest to get back to normal in the offseason. And he just even mentioned, I think it was a few weeks, maybe like after the bye week. Um, I think it might have been even after Thanksgiving. He said he truly was feeling healthy for the first time all year. And that was towards the, the three-quarter mark of the year. So that wasn't until the very end of the season. You saw a lot more explosion at the back half of the year. It sucks because I think that if, if they were to go on a deep playoff run, you would have heard Tony Pollard's name come up a lot more. I think it's also important to remember that with Elliott out of the building, pass protection was going to be a point of emphasis that they were talking about um, all all throughout the offseason. And Tony Pollard stepped up as a pass blocker. Numbers-wise, I think he graded out, according to PFF, better last year than this year. But I just think in very difficult situations and high-pressure situations, when they needed to have a, a blitz pickup from Tony Pollard, uh, specifically against the Chargers on that Brandon Cooks go-ahead touchdown, um, he made sure to get Duran James out of the way, and Dak Prescott had a clean pocket to throw the touchdown. So I think stuff like that, it's like those little things that don't appear in the stat sheet unless you're really looking for it um, that should be very well appreciated. Um, similar to you, Howman, the one name that I came across, I was kind of surprised, but again, just as like a pure fan standpoint, last year for me it was Donovan Wilson, I think, on this list, somebody who, who just kind of flashed and, of course, in a contract season played way, way above and, and well-deserving of the contract at that time. Um, but for me, it's Dak Prescott, and I think it's it's an odd name because of how the season ended, but I'm just looking at regular season Dak and kind of what we experienced. I mean, he was in the peak of the MVP conversation. This isn't somebody who was in the odds of maybe like seventh or eighth and just kind of came up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, he doesn't really have a shot, but look how cool this is. No, like Dak was number one at one point, ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of Brock Purdy. Um, and I just think that when you look at the NFC and where things were into the into the year, and this is why it's so disappointing for a lot of fans. I think the argument can be made that Dak was the best quarterback in the NFC all year. Brock Purdy, of course, has something to say about that. But when you're looking at Purdy in the Shanahan scheme, maybe Dak has an edge there. But just overall, what we're looking at numbers-wise for Dak uh, against NFC quarterbacks, he was first overall in PFF grade for the regular season, first in passing grade. First in big-time throws, second-best in turnover-worthy plays with only 14 on the year, second-best passer rating, and first in first downs. And those aren't the yardage numbers. Of course, we know he led the NFL in touchdown passes. But I just look at where the narrative was last year, this media-driven narrative that, oh, Dak is a turnover-prone player. He's not going to be the same. He can never get to that next level like a Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers when he was in his heyday and all the stuff. But he showed that he could, and and he went into this McCarthy offense that a lot of people didn't have confidence in. Um, things were simplified. They were watered down, as we talked about a few weeks ago. The verbiage was cleaned up, and you just saw Dak take total command of this offense, and something that a lot of fans were expecting and hoping for throughout the course of his career. And I liken it to the 2014 season. I remember in training camp, Tony Romo was talking about how things were starting to click for him mentally. He was able to see defenses and read things a lot better than when he did when he was younger and that to me when I saw what happened throughout that year I was like okay that makes sense like Tony's playing at an MVP level I remember that December stretch was historic he was just putting up all these great numbers against great opponents and just making sure that the Cowboys got into a, a good playoff position ended up winning the division and that's what I saw from Dak this year so again I know the postseason didn't really end the way that anybody was expecting but when you're just looking at just this year and what the expectations were for Prescott, all the you know crap that he was getting on social media and how he was able to overcome all that to an MVP caliber year, I think is great. And Chris, can you at least meet me halfway on that? Like I know, like you said, 
he flamed out in the playoffs, <laughs> but like at least acknowledge that he was a great, excellent quarterback in the regular season. I 100% agree with that. Okay. I, I mean, like, honestly, he was my number one pick for MVP heading into that Dolphins game. And I think it was by far the best season of Dak's career. And, and like, that's the thing. I have no issue with admitting that I think Dak is an elite quarterback. I think that, that uh, he is a QB one and he's a franchise quarterback. He's a guy who team should invest in but the but the problem is is he doesn't play that way in the playoffs and I think that the stats have backed that up to this point it's not that I want that to be the case I want him to ball out in the playoffs I want him to lead the team to a Super Bowl and you know be the Super Bowl MVP he's a great guy he's a great character anyone who roots for the downfall of Dak Prescott you know like I have to judge either you just hating the Cowboys or or you just have a bad judge of character because Dak is one of the most likable guys in football period he's one of the most likable guys to ever wear a star so I have no issue with Dak at all as a person or as a player I just it just feels like again he just he just played nervous he did he, you know like he was off a little bit on throws that you know he was making in his sleep in the regular season it just seems like the lights are a little too bright for him in the playoffs and I hope that that can be changed but that but I mean it's a big reason why me personally I would like to just bite the bullet on the whole cap situation this upcoming season and and just let it play out the same way McCarthy's, you know, contract is because I don't want to really invest super long term in the deck and just keep having this problem every single year, hoping that one time he eventually, you know, puts it all together. So, you know, I'm not fully invested into just committing everything, you know, just, you know, just making him the entire future. But at the same time, I can acknowledge he's been a great quarterback and he's, and um, I still think he deserves to be an MVP finalist. I think he should be one of the final three. I think it's going to go to Lamar, but I think it should be him, uh, Dak, and honestly, probably Christian McCaffrey, but I'm sure it'll go to like Josh Allen or Brock Purdy. Yeah, and it'll definitely be interesting. We're going to have that discussion hopefully in a few weeks um, You know, as the regular season kind of comes to a close, the Super Bowl is over, and kind of really take an overall landscape look at where the Cowboys stand free agency-wise, decisions that they have to make. Who knows? Maybe the Cowboys will solve that problem for us and we have a Dak Prescott extension next week and we don't even have to worry about that. But that's something that we will talk about down the line. Um, Going backwards now, we're going to go in reverse order, starting with Halman here. You know, again, looking at players that we're excited about next year. And and this could be somebody who was on IR the entire time. This could be somebody who was on the practice squad. You know, you could really go deep and just pull somebody from the practice squad if you really want to. Um, It could even be Martavius Bryant, you know, a futures contract guy, if you really, really are feeling desperate and spicy. Um, But who's one person that you're looking forward to 2024? Well, part of me wanted to say Layal Collins when we were talking about practice squad guys. (laughs) But uh, I'm, I'm... Actually, I think I'm going to throw another curveball here and say, you know, I said Tony Pollard for the first one. I think now I'm going to go with Rico Dowdle and stay with the running back position because, um, I mean, Rico Dowdle, this was really the first time we'd seen much from him as a running back most of his time with the Cowboys that he's that he's been healthy and played. He was playing as a special teamer. Um, and this time he was the, the second running back. And we kind of saw him grow as the season went on into – I don't want to say he was just like a bruising back because I, I think that really uh, puts him in a box and, and he's he's much more multifaceted than just that. But um, he, he really brought that physical presence that Tony Pollard didn't have until the last month of the season or so. And he, he just added a nice change of pace element to the running game as, alongside Pollard. Um, and it was very nice to see what he was able to contribute. And, and he, he was physical on his runs, 
Um, he had a lot of forward momentum, but he was also, you know, showed some ability as a pass catcher. He had two different receiving touchdowns. He was, you know, his first one was on a, a screenplay, and I think it was like the first time that a Cowboy had scored on a screen pass since like Kellen Moore's first year calling the plays, which was just uh, kind of a mind-blowing stat that it, they went that long without scoring a touchdown on a screen. Um, and he had several other screen plays where like they didn't score touchdowns, but he was, you know, he was effective and he was productive in that role. Um, and as the season went on, Rico also got a lot better as a pass blocker too. Uh, in the last month of, se- of the season, he had several plays where he like stepped up, met the blitzer, was able to, to, you know, take on the contact and hold his own. And early on in the year, he really wasn't playing at that high of a level as a pass blocker. And so it was nice to see that kind of growth. And like I had said with Tony Pollard, um, we don't really know what his contract situation is going to be. Technically, we don't with Rico either. Um, I believe he's a restricted free agent this year. So theoretically, he could go somewhere else. Generally speaking, Cowboys keep the restricted free agents. I I think there's a good shot with how much Mike McCarthy's talked about, how much he loves Rico Dowdle, Mm -hmm. how much the team likes him, how he played. I think there's a good shot he's coming back next year and potentially – um, you know, being a, a larger part of the offense than he was even this year. So uh, I, I was really excited from what we saw of him this year um, and, and the way that he kind of, you know, just developed into a pretty reliable piece of this offense. And I'm excited for what next season holds, uh, assuming that he is back, which, again, I think the odds are pretty good. Yeah, and I think he could have been the name that you mentioned if somebody you enjoyed watching this year, like you kind of alluded to. And I think the other thing is that Washington game, we kind of talked about his performance in the final week of the season where, you know, he had that one drop pass to swing pass on the outside, and the very next play they went back to him, and then he skirted down the sideline. I think it was for 30 yards, something like that, and he finished the game with 100 total yards of offense. I think it was like – 60 40 and in receiving versus rushing something like that and i just think he just became a better running back this year and not just a special teams player like you mentioned and um i think taking on that sort of secondary role from where he was as the third guy i think that everybody saw flashes of him last year in training camp i remember we were talking about how the cowboys had five running backs uh even champlin or champ champlin I forget how to pronounce his last name. I always thought it was Champagne, but it was something else. Um, Harvard Elite. Yeah, there you go. Um, But, you know, I remember he was a part of that, and everybody was so excited, but injuries always played a factor into him not getting on the field. So to be able to see that this year, and I I know that they're even on DallasCowboys.com, they were trying to figure out, is it restricted or unrestricted? I know depending on where you look, it'll say restricted. So we'll see. I think that it's somebody that the Cowboys, if they had to pick, between Pollard and him, I think they probably go with Rico just because money-wise it makes a little yeah. bit more sense. But also, just looking at the NFL draft a little bit, just you know, from a premature level, aren't a lot of guys in the draft that I like compared to last year at the running back position. So who knows? Maybe everybody's saying, oh, the running back room's going to change and all that. Maybe they bring everybody back. They run it back on a cheaper deal. So uh, B1, who you got? Who's the one person that you're looking forward to 2024 for? Well, real quick, I think there's some there's some depth at the running back position for the draft. Don't be don't be surprised. I mean, I mentioned a couple guys last week with Blake Corum, for example, or my guy Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. He's just he's like a Derrick Henry uh, like clone. You know, you know if he can, you know, that'd be a guy to get in day day two. I think he's a he's a talented guy. He's just built the same way as Derrick Henry. So there's there's some guys there, but I think I think that was a good a good call on Hammond's part. I, I really I, Rico is another guy that was on my list. He's not not he's not my choice here, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But yeah, Rico Dotto just he, he he impressed me. 
you know, I wasn't the first the first guy to jump on the train. Our our, our good friend at Blogging the Boy, Tony Catalina, I got to give him you know my uh, my hat my hat tip to him for that one because I was I was on the Malik Davis train a little bit uh, a little bit too hard. But uh, when Rico started playing, Rico ball balled out. He played really well. Pass pro, he did it all. He was a he's a great player. So that was a good a good choice by Holman. Um, but moving on to where I'm at, I guess there's going to be a common theme here. So so Holman did running backs. I'm going to stick with linebackers. And I think this might be, you guys might consider this low-hanging fruit because he didn't play last year. He flashed in the preseason for, uh, what, uh, two weeks? And uh, he was highly touted out of uh, out of a local uh, school in the, in the University of Texas, uh, the Longhorns. Uh, so I'm going with third-round pick of last year, DeMarvin Overshone. Yeah, horns down as this Hollins. And I'm a Baylor fan too. So, but I, you know, I have a lot of respect for, you know, for great, great players no matter where they play. And Overshaw always popped on the tape. Just unfortunate that, you know, week two of the preseason, you know, we unfortunately lost him to a torn left ACL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was, you know, he was, he flashed. And then when he was playing at Texas, he was a just, just like Bell. And that's where I'm going to tie this in. Just like Bell. He was a safety. Like he initially started as a safety with the Longhorns, and then transitioned to the linebacker position. And you know, every year he improved in college. I mean, he went from one tackle, eighteen tackles, sixty, seventy-four, and then he finished his career with ninety-six tackles in college. Now, college is a whole, obviously, a whole different ball game than the NFL. But Demorvin Overshone is a guy. He's a similar, similar build. He's a little bit thicker. Uh, than uh, than Marquise Bell, but he is considered more of an undersized uh, linebacker uh, for the normal position. But I feel like if you could bring him in uh, and let him just let him just play, I mean, hopefully he you know hopefully he's he's good with his ACL. I mean, we we've seen what happened with ACL injuries at the receiver, receiver position with Michael Gallup. So we're gonna have to see how how Overshawn bounces back from the ACL. I mean, again, he you know he's got a very similar skill set, uh, in my opinion, uh, from watching the tape as a Marquise Bell. I feel like he's just a, and they call him, and if I'm not mistaken, I, you know, Longhorn Nation can get at me for it, but I believe they called him the Texas Missile in in college, and and there's a good reason for it. His his uh, his tape was his tape, you know, he he was fun to watch, even against my Baylor Bears, he was tearing it up, lighting people up. Um, I feel like the trio of linebackers as a whole, just to kind of piece it together, you know, he, you know, with Bell, Overshone, and then Damone Clark. I know they, I know like uh, we were talking about, I think uh, Baldinger, uh, so Baldy, Baldy was kind of eat, eating our uh, linebackers alive, particularly Marquis Bell. But I, I feel like, I feel like those three, we'll see what happens with Van Der Esch. You know, I, I feel like the linebacker position isn't in, in, in the cupboard again is not bare i don't think it is i feel like there's just some inexperience still i mean damone clark you know he's still learning he's still learning the facets of the nfl game i feel like in my opinion anyways and then overshone's going to have a learning curve so it's going to be bumpy but i do feel like that trio they're all exciting prospects and i feel like if they can live up to their potential they're all really good players but i will tell you and i did mention i did allude to it uh, in the beginning of our, of our show I do want to see a heavy middle linebacker, you know, on the team. Like I want to see, I want to see Overshone and I want to see Bell as our outside backers and run more of a traditional four-three set and just let Overshone and let Bell just have have you know you know the outside of the field like to their own because they're so athletic, they're electric players. I feel like that would be good for them and and it also would help because. They're not going to have to get in front of all those 320-pound uh, offensive linemen. So I feel like that would help. But you know, a guy like uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Aziz Alshire, like that's like that's a guy that uh, I would like. 
Um, I was talking about uh, Willie Gay. Uh, you know, I mean, those guys to me, like those, those are some guys. Uh, Tranquil. There's also guys in the draft that I like, like a uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. So I mean, there's the linebacker position as a whole. I feel like isn't as bad if they can. Again, if they make some tweaks, we're going to be in good shape. I just. I would prefer the more I think about it. I know I talked about linebackers last week is maybe more go get go get somebody in day two. I would like to bring in like a, a Al Shire, like a guy like a veteran that's you know he's he's you know he's a solid guy. He's he can he can teach these kids how to how to play the NFL game a little bit, and you know and obviously he can clean up the you know he can get in front of all that trash with a three hundred twenty pound you know big lineman at him and, and and let those other guys play in space because you keep those guys in space. They're going to eat space. They're going to be. They're good on. They're good in the in, in coverage as well because they have that safety background. So for me, overshowing is just. I feel like we're going to see. We're going to see a big. You know, a big jump. Obviously, there wasn't much of a jump from last year, but I feel like people are at the end of it. So next, this time next year, we're going to be talking about overshowing as a guy that is going to be a part of the Cowboys for a long time. I, I do see a lot of talent, and I think he he's going to be somebody. I'm just really looking forward to in 2024 to watch. And you look at the common theme for all the defenses that are in the final four for the playoffs. I mean, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, we talk about them. Uh, you have Nick Bolton and the other linebackers in Kansas City. You have Jack Campbell, who the Lions drafted, uh, of course, with uh, another guy as well. I forget, 44, Rodrigo, um, something like that in, in Detroit. And then you also have uh, the 49ers linebackers, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, of course, too. So, I mean, the, if the Cowboys – can kind of adjust that you figure that there's a bigger emphasis on on young quick fast linebackers and i think he'll be a part of it it's funny i was watching the highlights of the 2018 playoffs for the cowboys and it was the los angeles rams game for whatever reason that that playoff run was is just a blur to me i i every time i think about them beating seattle and then going to play uh, the rams in the coliseum i was just I don't know. It just it seems like it didn't, it didn't happen. I know. So it's like <laughs> I was watching. It was a C.J. Anderson highlight reel, but I forgot that that Sean Lee was there at the end of the year. It was him, Vanderesh, and Jalen Smith. That was sort of like the the coming out party for for those two guys and ho- what we hoped would be a good young linebacker core moving forward. But I forgot Sean Lee was still playing in the limited role, battling injuries and stuff. But he still had it. Like you saw, the instincts were still there in his in his older age, and uh, maybe not the most fluid player, but the instincts were still there. And I look at that the same way with Overshown. Like it might take a little bit of time for him to get his legs back under him. We're coming back from injury, um, but the if the instincts are still there, you can't take that away. And so I think if if he relies on his instincts that we saw in the preseason he might be back to normal quicker than anybody expects. So that's a great pull for for you on that. I'll go, Chris, right before you. This way you can kind of close things out. Um, similar on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and also to be one to your point, I was just thinking if if they bring in a free agent, that sort of supplants what they hoped Van Der Esch would be, you know, if, if he ends up retiring. We don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But that was a great point, too. Um, Got to get a veteran player in that room, no doubt. Um, but I think for me, I want to see a little bit more Wanye Thomas. And this is somebody who Danny Phantom, Danny, uh, Dan Rogers of uh, blogging the boys kind of threw on my radar in the preseason. He, he always asked like, Oh, give me an update on Wanye. Where's Wanye gone? I'm like, Danny, just stop. Like it, it's a, it's a guy who's a second year player practice squad all of last year. You know, there were some flashes, but I, I didn't really see too much. And then the more and more, when I started watching the preseason game, I think it was against the Jaguars. He flashed a lot more. Of course he picked off uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I just always like, okay, Danny, I'm, I'm with you on this. I could see Wanye playing 
uh, more important role. And then the injury to Donovan Wilson kept him out of week one. They kind of rolled Wanye in there a little bit more on defense against the Giants, and he was just all over the place, making tackles, going against Darren Waller, defending Darren Waller, and just like really good coverage skills. Uh, I know somebody was giving him just a lot of crap on social media, and I kind of tweeted it out to kind of go to all the haters that – he was actually, uh, for all of his limited snaps, I think he was the eighth best or seventh best in coverage grade among all safeties across the NFL, and I think 12th best uh, in overall grade. And, of course, his tackling and run defense grade wasn't the absolute best, but when you look at just coverage as a safety, if he's trying to replace somebody like a J. Ron Curse, for instance, who we talked about that's entering free agency, I think that's a great kind of plug-and-play player that's already on the roster. You can keep developing him, which is why I think Dan Quinn coming back would be very important. Um, but also you saw his development on special teams, too, as a core special teams player. Um, when I talked to Trent Sig in the interview I did before Christmas, he mentioned Wanye as somebody who has developed into a core member of that group and was actually kind of giving them a lot of flack for not including them into the social media trends and all the videos and stuff. And and that just speaks to how important he values special teams and, and why that's so important to him. He was the he was the personal protector, which we know last year for Noah Brown was important for him. It's important for John Fossil and the special teams unit. So I want to see more from Wanya. I think if he can kind of just get a little bit more reps, a little more snaps like we saw this year in limited fashion, I think his trajectory will go up a lot more. And again, he's still a young player. Um, on, a, on a rookie deal, and that always makes sense for the Cowboys to get these young guys in there. Um, may, hopefully, he's just better than J.J. Wilcox. I think that's the main thing. That's all we want in life is just safeties that are better than J.J. Um, so, Chris, close it out. Who's the one player that you're looking forward to for 2024? Well, this is a guy who I was really looking forward to seeing this past season, and um, he took a lot of criticism early in the season, but I don't necessarily think it was all on him. I think it was just chemistry and a new team and everything, but I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Brandon cooks next season. Uh, I think that he yes. really a namesake. I like it. Uh-huh. Good job. Yeah. 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 No, I just think he really, you know, like I, I just feel like he turned it up in the second half of the season. If you look at the um, early season numbers, you know, week one, 22 yards, 17 yards, 27 yards, seven yards. But then you get into that second meeting with the Giants, and and then on he had 173 yards in that game, 42 yards, 72 yards, 45, 37, and and then you get to 60. And so his yard numbers started to go up. His average per reception started to go up as well. And he came up with some really big touchdowns throughout the you know back end of the season. You know, like just showing off his veteran leadership and his you know clutchness. Um, he, he still has one more year left on his contract, I believe, heading into next season. And so um, I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, him continue to develop that chemistry with Dak Prescott. I'm assuming, you know, that um, he'll um, that he'll still be there. And I also uh, um, I think that there will be more opportunities for him um, in the receiving game as well. I think opening up. Um, because I think there is an out this offseason in Michael Gallup's contract if the Cowboys want to go that route, and I wouldn't put it past them. I think that that's possible that we could maybe see some movement there because, you know, Michael Gallup has kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say fallen off, but he hasn't really produced the way that he has when the Cowboys, you know, you know, paid him. So I think that Brandon Cooks, you know, I, I was really excited about the addition in the past offseason, but, you know, I'm more excited to see what he can do next next season because I think he's going to have more time to, you know, build that chemistry with Dak Prescott. And uh, we'll see more of what we saw, you know, in the back end of the season, you know, throughout the entire season next year. And maybe he'll get back to that 1K, um, you know, in, in that 1K club that he was, you know, you know, um, 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 making a name for himself in every year of his career. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Uh, I mean, listen, Michael Gallup, 
six for six in the playoff game against the Packers for 103 I know, yards. I know, I know. So all I'm hey, saying, listen, all... He had the best receiving game in the playoffs, but you know it doesn't change what he went through the entire season. And at the end of the day, I think if you can find an out in that contract, I think the Cowboys would be smart to take it. You know, kind of similarly to the Ezekiel Elliott situation, where you know I think they. They um, knew that you know his best was already behind him, and they had to make that business decision. I think that that's something that that they should consider, especially with all the guys who they're going to have to pay um, in the future. Yeah, so. and not to mention, you know, we saw another name that could have been thrown out there for this part of the conversation would have been Jalen Tolbert. You know, somebody who stepped mm-hmm. up um, in a big way in his mm-hmm. development, somebody that's built a lot of chemistry with Dak over the off season. So if they want to see him and the other Jalen as well, yes, of course we cannot forget about Jalen Brooks, uh, the yeah. Yeah. the only receiver on the Cowboys roster with a hundred percent reception. Rate. I thought you meant Marina Cropper. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's, that's an even better call. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, another name I wanted to throw out there too, because I think the the preseason hype was just as John Stevens Jr. You know, we don't know what will happen with Peyton Hendershot. And I know Sean McEwen was on IR for the back half of the year. Um, I know that's somebody Mike McCarthy really covets as well, but John Stevens Jr. When you look at like, to me, he's a very similar player, um, to an Isaiah likely in Baltimore. I was just looking yes. at the size at comparison. John Stevens is 6'5, 221, which he doesn't look 6'5. It could be because he's very slender. You know, needs to kind of get out of that rookie body and kind of again hit the hit the weight room in the offseason. But Isaiah likely is 6'4, uh, 241. So that's not a stretch to to ask Stevens to put on 20 more pounds. I know it's a stretch, it's a lot, but I'm just saying it's not like out of the realm of impossibilities in the NFL to ask a guy who would be a tight end to put on 20 pounds, especially coming from the college game. So that's somebody else who's coming back from injury. You hope that there's maybe a positive moving forward. And if maybe Luke Schoonmaker develops into a blocking tight end, somebody you can kind of use maybe as a Brock Wright to uh, Jake Ferguson, Sam Laporta, uh, connecting everything here, um, then you can kind of have John Stevens be that red zone threat that Isaiah likely has been to Mark Andrews. So I think that's another name too. So uh, any other final thoughts? Like if we want to go rapid round, just say a name and somebody else. So uh, Halman, I'll start with you before we close out. Sam Laporta. <laughs> um, no, I, I really did want to talk about Jalen Tolbert too, because I, that's someone I, I do think is like, you know, you saw it this year, like he just looked more confident when they relied on him and, and they kind of got to a point where he was kind of splitting reps with Michael Gallup. So I think that's definitely, that's someone that, that could be, you know, could be taking a big step forward next year, especially with Brandon Cooks going into the last year of his deal. Uh, Michael Gallup potentially not being here. Um, also, you know, I, I made I made this case I think uh, a week or two ago. Deuce Vaughn, I think he's gonna. I think he's got a shot. Like, you know, it, it could happen. He's definitely gonna have a chance to prove himself again. I think you know, with another year in the offense, with another year just being an NFL player, like he's gonna be able to just just get a little bit more confidence behind him. And we know he has the juice, so I'm I'm ready for for. Deuce to be loose again. I can't wait for the running back uh, committee of Deuce Vaughn and Malik Davis. That'll give a lot of confidence to a lot of Cowboys fans. Um, Chris, Chris, give us one more name. Trey Lance. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Let's do it. uh, One more name. Um, I would like to see more out of Luke Schoonmaker just because, you know, like that was a second round pick and I was critical of that selection when it happened. And, you know, just like the Mozzie Smith pick, I don't think we saw enough to really justify where the Cowboys selected him. So, so, you know, I would want, you know, some more, uh, um, I'd like to see some more out of him next season yeah. as well as the rest of that rookie class. Cause I think that that's something that really hurt them this year. I know that, you know, you know, they drafted 
you know, I, I know that they were unfortunate with the overshown injury. You know, he, he, you know, he really showed a lot of promise in his preseason, but I think what separates this Cowboys team from a lot of previous Cowboys teams is that uh, this Cowboys team really didn't receive a lot of production from their rookie class. And I feel like if you look at previous Cowboys rosters, they got a lot of production from their rookie classes and a lot of unexpected production as well, even you know in the later rounds. And the Cowboys got next to nothing in production from their rookie classes here. And unless they take serious strides next season, I think it's going to be viewed as one of the worst draft classes in recent Cowboys memory under um uh, um throughout the Will McClay era. So so yeah, so I believe that we need to see a lot more from them heading forward. All right, B one, who you got? Well, I'm gonna have to hammer the drum from my guy TJ Bass, baby. That's 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 the guy that I wanna see next year. I think I, I think I think he can take a next step. I mean, we know the free agent list. You know, there's some offensive linemen uh, on the Cowboys uh, that may or may not be back on the team next year. I mean, and also I know I know we talked about I think last week. You know, Zach Martin. What's what's his future as a Cowboy? Is he gonna retire? Like, what's the deal there? And then you know, obviously Tyron Smith. You know, Tyler Biadish. Uh, and uh, Hallman's favorite guy, uh, Chuma Doga. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But for me, like TJ Bass, when he played, like in 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 relief of you know uh, in, in the injury situation with the Cowboys, he did he did a stand up job, and that's and that wasn't I wasn't surprised by it because he was a good player in college, and I felt like his game transitions well to the NFL uh, style. So TJ Bass is one of those dudes. I feel like. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fighting for, you know, for a starting job next year, depending on how this whole offensive line situation uh, shakes out. There's a lot to be figured out with these contracts, with these free agents. There's obviously the draft, free agency. But there's a, there's a chance that he could, you know, he could slide into a starting role, and I wouldn't be that upset about it. And at worst-case scenario, he's like, for me, he's like that third guard. He's a swing guard. I think he's a depth player as well. And that's pretty good value for a guy you got undrafted. And it's in just to swing it back to Marquise Bell, another undrafted guy. So, you know, the, you know, to Chris's point about the draft class not being so great, you know, that, you know, this might be one of the Will McClay's worst. I mean, let's be honest, they're not doing too bad in the undrafted market. So if, you know, if, you know, if some of these draft classes are, you know, maybe mediocre, we'll see the next two, three years with this class, because you can't judge it off of one, you know, one year, you got to give it three, three, four years and see what happens. But if they keep hitting on at least one or two of these undrafted guys, like a Wanya Thomas, for example, I mean, the, the, you know, this is the Will McClay is doing a good job. They're doing a heck of a job there. So TJ Bass is definitely the, the next name I had on my list in this category. I'll, I'll just say these list of names. You have Daryl Johnston. You have Lusaka Polite. You have Lawrence Vickers, Jameez Olawali, Tyler Klutz. But Hunter Lipke will be the best fullback in Cowboys history. Mark it down, um, and that's another undrafted free agent. And for every C.D. Lamb you have in the draft, you have an Andy Jones, an undrafted free agency. And for every Hunter Lipke, you do have a uh, Luke Schoonmaker in the draft in the second round. So it all balances out. It's it's like the Thanos with the knife. It's just a balanced universe is just always uh, a possibility here. So with that being said, that'll be it for today's episode of the Writer's Block. Uh, for Chris Halling, David Hallman, and Brandon Clements, I am Brandon Laurie. Until next time, and always remember, go Cowboys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.